Hey everyone, it is I, D.B. Spitzer. Welcome once again to Black Clock Audio Tales, always hosted by BunnySlippers.com and FoundItemClothing.com. Check out the Wooly Bully Highland Cow Slippers. I know they're just called Highland Cow Slippers, but I can't help saying Wooly Bully. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you are all feeling well. Just to let you know, I am going to start just uploading as many of these Oz books as possible, just so people have stuff to listen to. If you have kids and you want them to listen to something that's not going to have a bunch of scary or weird stuff in it, eh, you might want to go elsewhere. No, I'm kidding. Oz, the Oz books generally are pretty children safe. There may be a few spooky parts here and there, but you know what? Everyone gets through it in the end. There's every story has Dorothy with a little animal and some friends, and you know, it's fun stuff. It's it's fun stuff. You know. I've been holding stuff together. I've been baking bread, making pasta, canning stuff, brewing. Um, and then I've been doing stuff that I don't normally do. <laughs> you know, the anxiety and the food stuff. That's I'm always doing that stuff. But lately I have been constructing instruments out of junk. You can check that stuff out on Instagram. I'm currently working on a couple of canjos and a uh, cigar box ukulele. Ukulele, whatever you want to call it. If you are interested in that kind of stuff, or if you want to check out and help the show by, I don't know, going to our Patreon at patreon.pgttcm.com, or however you get to Patreon, I can't remember, uh, you can also go to pgttcm.com, find out how to help our show by buying shirts. We're going to have some Dave's Underground Goat Shenanigans shirts coming up pretty soon from uh, shirts for or Oleander, Wash uh, Oregon, and shirts for Uncle Owen's Goat Farm coming up in... Los Futuro. Oh man, my Spanish is terrible. But it shouldn't be because I've been watching DuckTales and Troll Movie and all that other fun stuff in Spanish. Um, Libra Soy, Libra Soy. Yes. I hope you're all doing well. I keep saying I hope you're all doing well because I do hope you're all doing well. I can tell that a lot more people are listening. And thank you all for all of our new listeners. You guys are awesome. You ladies, everyone. Um, and anyone in between, I think you're all great. And, you know, I, I, I hope you're coming up with new recipes. I hope you've all watched Tiger King and all that fun stuff. And, you know, everything else that everyone else is talking about. Me, I'm going through old books, working on stuff outside, trying to stay away from TV and just listening to podcasts. Been listening to a lot of Doughboys and Small Town Dicks. Quite the juxtaposition. <laughs> All right, here we go with L. Frank Baum. Said it right this time. Road to Oz. Chapter 19 The Shaggy Man's Welcome. The Shaggy Man stood in the great hall, his shaggy hat in his hands, wondering what would become of him. He had never been a guest in a fine palace before. Perhaps he had never been a guest anywhere. In the big, cold outside world, people did not invite shaggy men to their homes. And this shaggy man of ours had slept in more haylofts and stables than in comfortable rooms. When the others left the great hall, he eyed the splendidly dressed servants of the Princess Ozma as if he expected to be ordered out. But one of them bowed before him as respectfully as if he had been a prince and said, Permit me, sir, to conduct you to your apartments. The shaggy man drew a long breath and took courage. 
Very well, he answered. I'm ready. Through the big hall they went, up the grand staircase carpeted thick with velvet, and so along a wide corridor to a carved doorway. Here the servant paused, and, opening the door, said with polite deference, Be good enough to enter, sir, and make yourself at home in the rooms our royal Ozma has ordered prepared for you. Whatever you see is for you to use and enjoy as if your own. The princess dines at seven, and I shall be here in time to lead you to the drawing room, where you will be privileged to meet the lovely ruler of Oz. Is there any command in the meantime with which you desire to honor me? No, said the shaggy man, but I'm much obliged. He entered the room and shut the door, and for a time stood in bewilderment, admiring the grandeur before him. He had been given one of the handsomest apartments in the most magnificent palace in the world, and you cannot wonder that his good fortune astonished and awed him until he grew used to his surroundings. The furniture was upholstered in cloth of gold, with the royal crown embroidered upon it in scarlet. The rug upon the marble floor was so thick and soft. That he could not hear the sound of his own footsteps, and upon the walls were splendid tapestries woven with scenes from the land of Oz. Books and ornaments were scattered about in profusion, and the shaggy man thought he had never seen so many pretty things in one place before. In one corner played a tinkling fountain of perfumed water. And in another was a table bearing a golden tray loaded with freshly gathered fruit, including several of the red-cheeked apples that the shaggy man loved. At the farther end of this charming room was an open doorway, and he crossed over to find himself in a bedroom containing more comforts than the shaggy man had ever before imagined. The bedstead was of gold and set with many brilliant diamonds, and the coverlet had designs of pearls and rubies sewed upon it. At one side of the bedroom was a dainty dressing room with closets containing a large assortment of fresh clothing, and beyond this was the bath, a large room having a marble pool big enough to swim in, with white marble steps leading down to the water. Around the edge of the pool were set rows of fine emeralds as large as doorknobs, while the water of the bath was clear as crystal. For a time, the shaggy man gazed upon all this luxury with silent amazement. Then he decided, being wise in his way, to take advantage of his good fortune. He removed his shaggy boots and his shaggy clothing, and bathed in the pool with rare enjoyment. After he had dried himself with the soft towels, he went into the dressing room and took fresh linen from the drawers and put it on, finding that everything fitted him exactly. He examined the contents of the closets and selected an elegant suit of clothing. Strangely enough, everything about it was shaggy, although so new and beautiful. And he sighed with contentment to realize that he could now be finely dressed. And still be the Shaggy Man. His coat was of rose-colored velvet, trimmed with shags and bobtails, with buttons of blood-red rubies and golden shags around the edges. 
His vest was a shaggy satin of a delicate cream color, and his knee-breeches of rose velvet trimmed like the coat. Shaggy, creamy stockings of silk and shaggy slippers of rose leather with ruby buckles completed his costume, and when he was thus attired the shaggy man looked at himself in a long mirror with great admiration. On a table he found a mother-of-pearl chest decorated with delicate silver vines and flowers of clustered rubies, and on the cover was a silver plate engraved with these words, The Shaggy Man, His Box of Ornaments. The chest was not locked, so he opened it, and was almost dazzled by the brilliance of the rich jewels it contained. After admiring the pretty things, he took out a fine golden watch with a big chain, several handsome finger rings, and an ornament of rubies to pin upon the breast of his shaggy shirt-bosom. Having carefully brushed his hair and whiskers all the wrong way to make them look as shaggy as possible, the shaggy man breathed a deep sigh of joy and decided he was ready to meet the royal princess as soon as she sent for him. While he waited, he returned to the beautiful sitting-room and ate several of the red-cheeked apples to pass away the time. Meanwhile, Dorothy had dressed herself in a pretty gown of soft gray embroidered with silver, and put a blue and gold suit of satin upon little Button Bright, who looked as sweet as a cherub in it, followed by the boy and Toto, the dog with a new green ribbon around his neck, she hastened down to the splendid drawing-room of the palace, where, seated upon an exquisite throne of carved malachite and nestled amongst its green satin cushions, was the lovely Princess Ozma, waiting eagerly to welcome her friend. End of Chapter 19 Hey everyone, thank you for listening to The Road to Oz by L. Frank Baum, or Frank L. Baum. I keep mixing that up. Hey, do you want to help keep things straight? Why don't you go to Facebook or, I don't know, Instagram, check out PGTTCM and Black Clock Audio Tales. You can also, also, also help out the show by rate, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you rate, review, and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. Be like, hey, there's this annoying guy that has a podcast where there's books read. He doesn't read them. He gets people who can actually uh, read do it. So yeah, check that out. And again, I hope you're all doing well. Support the show that gives you something to listen to. I love you. Chapter 20, Princess Ozma of Oz The royal historians of Oz, who are fine writers and know any number of big words, have often tried to describe the rare beauty of Ozma and failed because the words were not good enough. So, of course, I cannot hope to tell you how great was the charm of this little princess, or how her loveliness put to shame all the sparkling jewels and magnificent luxury that surrounded her in this her royal palace. Whatever else was beautiful, or dainty, or delightful of itself, faded to dullness when contrasted with Ozma's bewitching face, and it has often been said by those who know that no other ruler in all the world can ever hope to equal the gracious charm of her manner. 
Everything about Ozma attracted one, and she inspired love and the sweetest affection rather than awe or ordinary admiration. Dorothy threw her arms around her little friend and hugged and kissed her rapturously, and Toto barked joyfully, and Button Bright smiled a happy smile and consented to sit on the soft cushions close beside the princess. "'Why didn't you send me word you were going to have a birthday party?' asked the little Kansas girl when the first greetings were over. "'Didn't I?' asked Ozma, her pretty eyes dancing with merriment. "'Did you?' replied Dorothy, trying to think. "'Who do you imagine, dear, mixed up those roads, so as to start you wandering in the direction of Oz?' inquired the princess. "'Oh, I never expected you of that!' cried Dorothy." "'I've watched you in my magic picture all the way here,' declared Ozma. "'And twice I thought I should have to use the magic belt to save you "'and transport you to the Emerald City. "'Once was when the Scootlers caught you, "'and again when you reached the deadly desert. "'But the Shaggy Man was able to help you out both times, "'so I did not interfere. "'Do you know who Button Bright is?' asked Dorothy." "'No, I never saw him until you found him in the road, "'and then only in my magic picture. "'And did you send Polly to us?' "'No, dear. "'The Rainbow's daughter slid from her father's pretty arch "'just in time to meet you.' "'Well,' said Dorothy, "'I've promised King Dox of Foxville "'and King Kickabray of Dunkington "'that I'd ask you to invite them to your party.' "'I have already done that,' returned Ozma. "'because I thought it would please you to favor them.' "'Did you invite the musicer?' asked Button Bright. "'No, because he would be too noisy, "'and might interfere with the comfort of others. "'When music is not very good and is indulged in all the time, "'it is better that the performer should be alone,' said the princess. "'I like the musicer's music,' declared the boy gravely. "'But I don't,' said Dorothy.' "'Well, there will be plenty of music at my celebration,' promised Ozma. "'So I've an idea Button Bright won't miss the musicer at all.' Just then Polychrome danced in, and Ozma rose to greet the Rainbow's daughter in her sweetest and most cordial manner. Dorothy thought she had never seen two prettier creatures together than these lovely maidens, but Polly knew at once her own dainty beauty could not match that of Ozma, yet was not a bit jealous because this was so. The Wizard of Oz was announced, and a dried-up little old man, clothed all in black, entered the drawing-room. His face was cheery and his eyes twinkling with humor, so Polly and Button Bright were not at all afraid of the wonderful personage whose fame as a humbug magician had spread throughout the world. After greeting Dorothy with much affection, he stood modestly behind Ozma's throne and listened to the lively prattle of the young people. Now the shaggy man appeared, and so startling was his appearance, all clad in shaggy new raiment, that Dorothy cried, Oh! and clasped her hands impulsively as she examined her friend with pleased eyes. He's still shaggy, all right, remarked Button Bright. And Ozma nodded brightly because she had meant the shaggy man to remain shaggy when she provided his new clothes for him. 
Dorothy led him toward the throne, as he was shy in such fine company, and presented him gracefully to the princess, saying, This, your highness, is my friend, the shaggy man, who owns the love magnet. You are welcome to Oz, said the girl ruler in gracious accents. But tell me, sir, where did you get the love magnet which you say you own? The shaggy man grew red and looked downcast as he answered in a low voice, I stole it, your majesty. Oh, shaggy man, cried Dorothy, how dreadful! And you told me the Eskimo gave you the love magnet. He shuffled first on one foot and then on the other, much embarrassed. I told you a falsehood, Dorothy, he said. But now, having bathed in the truth pond, I must tell nothing but the truth. Why did you steal it? asked Ozma gently. Because no one loved me or cared for me, said the shaggy man, and I wanted to be loved a great deal. It was owned by a girl in Butterfield who was loved too much, so that the young men quarreled over her, which made her unhappy. After I had stolen the magnet from her, only one young man continued to love the girl. And she married him and regained her happiness. Are you sorry you stole it? asked the princess. No, your highness, I'm glad, he answered, for it has pleased me to be loved, and if Dorothy had not cared for me, I could not have accompanied her to this beautiful land of Oz, or met its kind-hearted ruler. Now that I'm here, I hope to remain and to become one of your majesty's most faithful subjects. But in Oz we are loved for ourselves alone, and for our kindness to one another, and for our good deeds, she said. I'll give up the love magnet, said the shaggy man eagerly. Dorothy shall have it. But everyone loves Dorothy already, declared the wizard. Then Button Bright shall have it. Don't want it, said the boy promptly. Then I'll give it to the wizard, for I'm sure the lovely Princess Ozma does not need it. All my people love the wizard too, announced the princess, laughing. So we shall hang the love magnet over the gates of the Emerald City, that whoever shall enter or leave the gates may be loved and loving. That is a good idea, said the shaggy man. I agree to it most willingly. Those assembled now went into dinner, which you can imagine was a grand affair. And afterward, Ozma asked the wizard to give them an exhibition of his magic. The wizard took eight tiny white piglets from an inside pocket and set them on the table. One was dressed like a clown and performed funny antics, and the others leaped over the spoons and dishes and ran around the table like racehorses and turned handsprings and were so sprightly and amusing that they kept the company in one roar of merry laughter. The wizard had trained these pets to do many curious things, and they were so little and so cunning and so soft that Polychrome loved to pick them up as they passed near her place and fondle them as if they were kittens. It was late when the entertainment ended, and they separated to go to their rooms. Tomorrow, said Ozma, my invited guests will arrive, and you will find among them some interesting and curious people, I promise you. The next day will be my birthday, and the festivities will be held on the broad green just outside the gates of the city where all my people can assemble without being crowded. 
I hope the Scarecrow won't be late, said Dorothy anxiously. Oh, he is sure to return tomorrow, answered Ozma. He wanted new straw to stuff himself with, so he went to the Munchkin country where straw is plentiful. With this, the princess bade her guests good night and went to her own room. End of Chapter 20 Chapter 21 Dorothy Receives the Guests Next morning, Dorothy's breakfast was served in her own pretty sitting room, and she sent to invite Polly and the shaggy man to join her and Button Bright at the meal. They came gladly, and Toto also had breakfast with them, so that the little party that had traveled together to Oz was once more reunited. No sooner had they finished eating than they heard the distant blast of many trumpets and the sound of a brass band playing martial music. So they all went out upon the balcony. This was at the front of the palace and overlooked the streets of the city, being higher than the wall that shut in the palace grounds. They saw approaching down the street a band of musicians playing as hard and loud as they could, while the people of the Emerald City crowded the sidewalks and cheered so lustily that they almost drowned the noise of the drums and horns. Dorothy looked to see what they were cheering at, and discovered that behind the band was the famous Scarecrow riding proudly upon the back of a wooden sawhorse, which pranced along the street almost as gracefully as if it had been made of flesh. Its hoofs, or rather the ends of its wooden legs, were shod with plates of solid gold, and the saddle strapped to the wooden body was richly embroidered and glistened with jewels. As he reached the palace, the Scarecrow looked up and saw Dorothy, and at once waved his peaked hat at her in greeting. He rode up to the front door and dismounted, and the band stopped playing and went away, and the crowds of people returned to their dwellings. By the time Dorothy and her friends had re-entered her room, the Scarecrow was there, and he gave the girl a hearty embrace and shook the hands of the others with his own squashy hands, which were white gloves filled with straw. The shaggy man, Button Bright, and Polychrome stared hard at this celebrated person, who was acknowledged to be the most popular and most beloved man in all the Land of Oz. "'Why, your face has been newly painted!' exclaimed Dorothy, when the first greetings were over. "'I had it touched up a bit by the munchkin farmer who first made me,' answered the Scarecrow pleasantly. "'My complexion had become a bit gray and faded, you know, and the paint had peeled off one end of my mouth, so I couldn't talk quite straight. Now I feel like myself again, and I may say, without immodesty,' that my body is stuffed with the loveliest oat straw in all Oz. He pushed against his chest. Hear me, Crunkle? he asked. Yes, said Dorothy, you sound fine. Button Bright was wonderfully attracted by the straw man, and so was Polly. The shaggy man treated him with great respect, because he was so queerly made. Jellia Jam now came to say that Ozma wanted Princess Dorothy to receive the invited guests in the throne room as they arrived. The ruler was herself busy ordering the preparations for the morrow's festivities, so she wished her friend to act in her place. Dorothy willingly agreed, being the only other princess in the Emerald City, 
So she went to the great throne room and sat in Ozma's seat, placing Polly on one side of her and Button Bright on the other. The Scarecrow stood at the left of the throne and the Tin Woodman at the right, while the wonderful wizard and the shaggy man stood behind. The cowardly lion and the hungry tiger came in, with bright new bows of ribbon on their collars and tails. After greeting Dorothy affectionately, the huge beasts lay down at the foot of the throne. While they waited, the scarecrow, who was near the little boy, asked, Why are you called Button Bright? Don't know, was the answer. Oh, yes, you do, dear, said Dorothy. Tell the scarecrow how you got your name. Papa always said I was bright as a button, so Mama always called me Button Bright, announced the boy. Where is your Mama? asked the scarecrow. Don't know, said Button Bright. Where is your home? asked the scarecrow. Don't know, said Button Bright. Don't you want to find your Mama again? asked the scarecrow. Don't know, said Button Bright calmly. The scarecrow looked thoughtful. Your Papa may have been right, he observed. But there are many kinds of buttons, you see. There are silver and gold buttons, which are highly polished and glitter brightly. There are pearl and rubber buttons, and other kinds with surfaces more or less bright. But there is still another sort of button which is covered with dull cloth, and that must be the sort your papa meant when he said you were bright as a button, don't you think so? Don't know, said Button Bright. Jack Pumpkinhead arrived, wearing a pair of new white kid gloves, and he brought a birthday present for Ozma, consisting of a necklace of pumpkin seeds. In each seed was set a sparkling carolite, which is considered the rarest and most beautiful gem that exists. The necklace was in a plush case, and Jellia Jam put it on the table with the Princess Ozma's other presents. Next came a tall, beautiful woman, clothed in a splendid trailing gown, trimmed with exquisite lace as fine as cobweb. This was the important sorceress, known as Glinda the Good, who had been of great assistance to both Ozma and Dorothy. There was no humbug about her magic, you may be sure, and Glinda was as kind as she was powerful. She greeted Dorothy most lovingly and kissed Button Bright and Polly, and smiled upon the shaggy man, after which Jellia Jam led the sorceress to one of the most magnificent rooms of the royal palace and appointed fifty serpents to wait upon her. The next arrival was Mr. H. M. Wogglebug T.E., the H.M. meaning highly magnified and the T.E. meaning thoroughly educated. The Wogglebug was head professor at the Royal College of Oz, and he had composed a fine ode in honor of Ozma's birthday. This he wanted to read to them, but the Scarecrow wouldn't let him. Soon they heard a clucking sound and a chorus of cheep, cheep, and a servant threw open the door to allow Belina and her ten fluffy chicks to enter the throne room. As the yellow hen marched proudly at the head of her family, Dorothy cried, Oh, you lovely things, and ran down from her seat to pet the little downy balls. Belina wore a pearl necklace, and around the neck of each chicken was a tiny gold chain holding a locket with the letter D engraved upon the outside. Open the lockets, Dorothy, said Belina. The girl obeyed and found a picture of herself in each locket. They were named after you, my dear, continued the yellow hen. 
so I wanted all my chickens to wear your picture. Clock, clock, come here, Dorothy, this minute, she cried, for the chickens were scattered and wandering all around the big room. They obeyed the call at once and came running as fast as they could, fluttering their fluffy wings in a laughable way. It was lucky that Bellina gathered the little ones under her soft breast just then, for Tick-Tock came in and tramped up to the throne on his flat copper feet. "'I am all wound up and working finely,' said the clockwork man to Dorothy. "'I can hear him tick,' declared Button Bright. "'You are quite the polished gentleman,' said the tin woodman. "'Stand up here beside the shaggy man, Tick-Tock, and help receive the company.' Dorothy placed soft cushions in a corner for Billina and her chicks, and had just returned to the throne and seated herself, when the playing of the royal band outside the palace announced the approach of distinguished guests. And my, how they did stare when the high chamberlain threw open the doors and the visitors entered the throne room. First walked a gingerbread man neatly formed and baked to a lovely brown tent. He wore a silk hat and carried a candy cane prettily striped with red and yellow. His shirt front and cuffs were white frosting, and the buttons on his coat were licorice drops. Behind the gingerbread man came a child with flaxen hair and merry blue eyes, dressed in white pajamas with sandals on the soles of its pretty bare feet. The child looked around, smiling, and thrust its hands into the pockets of the pajamas. Close after it came a big rubber bear, walking erect on its hind feet. The bear had twinkling black eyes, and its body looked as if it had been pumped full of air. Following these curious visitors were two tall, thin men and two short, fat men, all four dressed in gorgeous uniforms. Ozma's high chamberlain now hurried forward to announce the names of the new arrivals, calling out in a loud voice, His gracious and most edible majesty, King Doe I, ruler of the two kingdoms of Highland and Lowland, also the head of Bullywog of his majesty, known as Chick the Cherub, and their faithful friend Parabruin the Rubber Bear. These great personages bowed low as their names were called, and Dorothy hastened to introduce them to the assembled company. They were the first foreign arrivals, and the friends of Princess Ozma were polite to them and tried to make them feel that they were welcome. Chick the Cherub shook hands with everyone, including Bellina, and was so joyous and frank and full of good spirits that John Doe's head bullywog at once became a prime favorite. "'Is it a boy or a girl?' whispered Dorothy. "'Don't know,' said Button Bright. "'Goodness me, what a queer lot of people you are!' exclaimed the rubber bear, looking at the assembled company. "'So are you,' said Button Bright gravely. "'Is King Doe good to eat?' "'He's too good to eat,' laughed Chick the cherub. "'I hope none of you are fond of gingerbread,' said the king rather anxiously. "'We would never think of eating our visitors if we were,' declared the scarecrow. "'So please do not worry.' for you will be perfectly safe while you remain in Oz. Why do they call you Chick? the yellow hen asked the child. Because I'm an incubator baby and never had any parents, replied the head bullywag. My chicks have a parent and I'm it, said Bellina. I'm glad of that, answered the cherub, 
because they'll have more fun worrying you than if they were brought up in an incubator. The incubator never worries, you know. King John Doe had brought for Ozma's birthday present a lovely gingerbread crown with rows of small pearls around it and a fine big pearl in each of its five points. After this had been received by Dorothy with proper thanks and placed on the table with the other presents, the visitors from Highland and Lowland were escorted to their rooms by the High Chamberlain. They had no sooner departed than the band before the palace began to play again, announcing more arrivals, and as these were doubtless from foreign parts, the High Chamberlain hurried back to receive them in his most official manner. End of chapter 21